Would you please turn with me to Matthew chapter 7? Matthew 7 in our Bibles. We are considering a series on the topic of prayer. We began last week, and it's genuinely my hope that you will be challenged to go deeper in your prayer life. Last week, we talked about the Trinity involved in prayer, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We went deep into the role of the Holy Spirit in our praying and even how He knows us better than we know ourselves And he will pray on our behalf with words that we cannot even find. This week we'll continue our series in prayer. And I do hope that you will accept the challenge to take that next step in your life regarding your relationship with God through prayer. When we think of the words please and thank you, they will sometimes bring certain pictures to our mind. I'm not sure if those two words are used together any more than when we're giving some instruction to little children. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you have been the ones giving the instruction where a young person came to you and they wanted something, and we might say something that sounds like this, what's the magic word? And they don't get what they're asking for until they give you that magic word. Oftentimes when they get what they want, a good parent And someone else like you who's trying to train them might say, what do you say? Please and thank you are words that we put a lot of weight upon. But I want to suggest that the word please, it's not not really a magic word. The kids are gone now, so I'm not going to ruin any uh, jobs that you're trying to teach them, any lessons. But the word please is not really a magic word. Let me give you an example. If one of the kids were to come to me and say, Pastor Jeremy, can I please have some candy for your office? Well, it might be that I would give them a penny right there on the spot because they asked so nicely. And they could go to my office and get whatever the latest candy in my machine is. If a young child were to come to me and very, very politely come and use the magic word and say, Pastor Jeremy, would you please give me the keys to your car? (laughs) I would not give them the keys to my car. Now, not only would it be illegal for them to go for a ride in my car, but I'm not on the same page as them as far as that's something that I want and they want. Now, maybe they want it, but I'm not there. That word please is not really a magic word. There has to be agreement between the one who is asking and the one who is being asked. What we're going to look at in God's Word today is that idea of agreement between the person who is praying and the one who is receiving the prayer. It's a very, very familiar passage that we'll be looking at. Matthew chapter 7. If you're not already there, go ahead and turn to Matthew 7. If you don't have a Bible with you, please feel free to use one of the Pew Bibles. It's page 917. Various lessons that Jesus is going to give us about prayer various words that he uses, but there has to be this one common theme, agreement. When I ask of God, he needs to be in agreement with what I am asking. And our confidence in prayer is going to grow when what we want lines up more and more with what God wants. In order for you to believe and grow in prayer, you must believe that your prayer will be both heard and answered. That's at the heart 
We're going to look at what Christ said about prayer, and I'm going to challenge you with some common thinking that you maybe learned as a young person in the Sunday school rooms. I can remember very vividly uh, seeing up on the bulletin board that was taught to the children, there are always one of three answers to prayer. Some of you might know what those answers are. There's the answer, yes, and there's the answer, no, and then there's the answer, do you remember the last one? Wait. And these are true, but I want to challenge us as we read this teaching on prayer that Jesus Christ gives, that He's really not leaving a whole lot of room for no. As Jesus teaches on prayer, really, He's not leaving a whole lot of room for wait. Now, we cannot do away with those. We know those are true. But Jesus is very, very specific in the expectation that we should have when we pray. Let's go ahead and look starting in verses 7 and 8 of Matthew 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. This is the the second time that Jesus Christ talks about prayer in the Sermon on the Mount. The first time he mentions it is very, very familiar to us. He gives us the model prayer, which I was just talking to my son about that recently. He said, boy, that's just such a wonderful prayer that Jesus gave in that model prayer. And it is. But now what he's going to try to do, instead of giving us a model prayer, he wants to build our confidence in our praying. What's your level of confidence like when you go to the Lord in prayer? Especially if you keep in the back of your mind, he may say yes, he may say no, he may say wait. When we know that, sometimes the confidence in our prayer can drop. What's he going to say this time? As Jesus uses those words, look at it again. Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. There is no place in what Jesus is saying here for you to come with timid prayer. He is saying He will give you what your petition is. Three different statements. Ask. This is the gifts that we ask for. Anything good that we have from God is a blessing, and so often, so much of that is things that we have asked Him, we've prayed for them. The word seek When we think of the word seek, it brings up another time in Scripture when it's used. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then all these things shall be added to you. And then that word knock, and that's an interesting one, because when he uses the word knock there, it gives the idea of seeking fellowship, coming and knocking. And the door is going to be open, and the idea is we want to come in, we want to spend time with, we want to visit and have something in common there together. And I'm well aware when we talk about prayer, when we talk about the expectation in prayer, that many people have been discouraged when they've prayed. Many of you have come and asked God for something, and you've walked away very discouraged after that attempt. Because it seems like some of these promises in the Bible, I don't, maybe there's some kind of a deeper understanding that I don't get. Why is it 
that when I've come and asked for some of these things, I'm not getting the answer that I want. And the devil wants to discourage us and move us away from that place of prayer. We're going to be challenged to not move that away, but instead be strengthened. There are promises of God that are given in the area of prayer, and God has yet, he's got a perfect record, he has yet to fail to keep any of those promises. He has kept every one. And so if the, if the lacking is not on God's side, we must take a look at ourselves. We must take a look at our prayers, what we are saying, our motives. Jesus is, is fairly clear here. There are two parts to the praying. There's the human side, that's the asking. There's the divine side, that's the giving. These are what make up prayer. And a repeated principle throughout God's Word assures us that if we ask, we will receive. So why doesn't it work sometimes? James chapter 4 verse 3 says, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. Specifically in the book of James there, he's talking about, the, the, when he says passions, he's talking about the worldliness of the people that he was writing to. And so we have to keep in check how we are doing with honoring God with our life. And I want to give us two needs, two needs that we are going to have and we're going to have to work on if we're going to pray and have confidence that God will not only hear that prayer, but answer that, but answer that prayer. The first need is a need for maturity. As we pray, maturity is going to come into it quite often. The individual that has 10 weeks of praying experience is probably going to sound different than the individual that has 20 years of deep praying experience. Now, sometimes the one who's a new prayer will come with a childlike faith, and sometimes they will ask some very simple things. Sometimes they won't even know how to ask or what to say. And God is so patient with us. When we enter into the school of prayer, God is such a patient teacher that He allows us to grow and to grow. But maybe you, like me, have had the experience of sitting with someone who obviously has been praying for better than 50 years. There's something sweet. There's something special about being able to listen in on this conversation between this woman of God or this man of God and their father that they've been talking to for so long. There's a need for maturity. Well, we mentioned that word school. Let me take some of you back to possibly a memory you have. There were some teachers that I grew up with who were known for asking a certain question as they were teaching. And it was something like this. They would be teaching their lesson. They would want to gauge and see how well you were doing at learning it. So they would kind of scan the room and they, they would ask a question and say, who can answer this question? And then they would look around the room to call on somebody. Does anybody else here besides me have horrible memories of them scanning the room and afraid they're going to call on you? One, you didn't know the answer, which was a lot of the time for some of us. 
I, there's some tricks we have, right? Aren't there some tricks if they're, if, they're, if they're asked that? Who can answer this question? What's one of the first things that we do if you don't want to be called on? Go ahead and do it right now. You, you look down like this, right? Here's a tip. If they ask a question that you do know the answer to, boy, raise your hand right away. If, if they throw you a softball, jump on that one, and then you're probably good for the rest of the class session. Many of us have been through this kind of emotion. There was one instance a few years ago at, at our radio station, WMPC, and, and one of our broadcasters was interviewing somebody, and he, 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 he later on admitted, I didn't think very well through this, and as I was talking to the one on live radio, I said, would you be willing just to, to pray for us right now? And the guy that he asked to pray was not a person that prayed regular and especially not over the radio. And so he just panicked, and right away, our broadcaster could tell he had gone down a road that he shouldn't have gone down. There's a level of maturity that comes when we practice prayer. We jump in, and there is a level of maturity that is going to be such a blessing. James chapter 1 and verse 6 says this, But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. Now, when we think of school, there's a popular expression. There's no such thing as a dumb question. Have you guys heard that before? Maybe some of you have said that. Who here, who here doesn't believe that? Do you, do you think there are some dumb questions? There, there really are. How about this? Do you think there's such a thing as a, a, a dumb prayer? Don't answer too quickly. One of the prayer warriors that I've known over the years, and uh, she's gone home to be with her Savior now, her name was Pat. She, she taught me that expression, and she used it in the first person. She said, sometimes I pray dumb prayers. When we were talking about always getting the answer to prayer, she, was, she would let me know, praise God that he doesn't answer all my prayers the way that I asked him to. Sometimes you'll get down the road and something that you wanted so bad, and if God would have given you that, what a mess we would be in. It's almost like there's somebody who is so much wiser than us that's paying attention to these things. And of course, our God is. He not only has all power and can answer any prayer that we ask, but He knows what is best for us. I remember praying with someone one time. It was a group of of pastors and spiritual leaders. And as we were praying, usually you kind of amen what the other person's saying. And one person who was a little bit new to the group was praying, and, and he prayed a prayer, and I just, I can remember just stopping. I stopped my praying, and I kind of dropped my shoulders, and I said, I don't, I don't agree with that. I don't, I don't, I don't know. He, he, he was praying, and he prayed that God would remove all cancer from, from our city. Now, I understand that prayer. I know many of you have struggled with, with cancer, and we can pray that God removes that. But I can just remember not being in agreement. I was like, what does this person know about God and about the world today to think that God's going to just take all cancer out because we pray that prayer? And I've struggled with that over the years. It's burned in my memory. And I've wondered, do I need to have more faith in my praying? And yet I recognize 
if there is a problem in getting the answer to my prayer, it is not on heaven's side. It's on my side. So maturity is one thing that we need to work on. And the other one we've already mentioned a little bit, and that there, there's a need for agreement. You and I must be in agreement with the Father. But I'll just share with you from a personal illustration, personal example. Sometimes I, I get my mind so fixed on something. And usually it's a good thing. I don't get my mind fixed on carnal things or sin. But I'll just have something in my head. And I'm so fixed upon it. And I ask God for it. And I'll ask Him again. And after a while, it, it appears God's really not in this. Kind of like a, a man who's driving and lost and won't stop and ask for directions. Just some of you men, not all of you men. I know that. Just keep on going. I'm sure we're going to hit a big road here sometime soon. I'm sure we'll find the way. We'll just put our head down and keep going. And so many of us, we do that. We get something in our mind, and we want it, and we're going, and we cannot listen to anything else. And God is sending messages from all around us. And godly people that he tries to give us help with. But sometimes we do not pray in a way that's in agreement with the Father. Let me give you what my opinion of the, the closest uh, wonderful compliment with the uh, devastating, it's not a put down, but it's a, a name that was called, all right? In the Bible, when I look in Matthew chapter 16, I find this there. The one that I see that stands out to me the most is a conversation between Jesus Christ and Peter. When we think of Peter... Let me give you a little bit of a lead-in to, to where this is coming from. Jesus Christ asked his disciples a question. Who do, who do people say that I am? Who are they saying that I am out there? Well, some say that you're John the Baptist. Some say that you're Elijah. And then Jesus turns it on them. Who do, who do you guys say that I am? And true to form, Peter jumps right up. You are the Christ. The one we've been looking for, and this was the right answer. And it was such a blessing. And it's at that point, we know these verses, Jesus Christ says, Thou art Peter, and you are the rock, and you are the one upon whom I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You are the rock. You're going to do tremendous things when you preach at Pentecost, and folks come to Christ, and the church is going to get started. And after that wonderful line that Jesus says to Peter, here's what we find. It says there in Matthew 16, and then Jesus started to tell them that he was going to die. When Peter hears that, he doesn't speak up to the whole group. Peter, it says, takes Jesus aside. I imagine he grabbed him by the shoulder and said, Jesus, Jesus, come here, we've got to talk. It is not so. I'm here with you. We've got James and John and all the rest. You are not going to die. You're going to live and you're going to make a huge splash in Jerusalem and in Israel. And let's go across the whole world with this. And it's at that point, right after Jesus Christ has said, you are a blessing. You are the rock. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. It's at that point 
that Jesus says to Peter. Do you remember what he said? He says, get thee behind me. How does it end? Satan. Does that seem a little unkind of Jesus to say that? How would you feel if you're talking to Jesus and he ends by calling you Satan? What's going on? Did Peter have some carnal, horrible motives that Jesus is, 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 is addressing? Not at all. He wanted Jesus to win. And as he talks to Christ, what's happening is what Peter wants is not in agreement with what the Father wants. Jesus would have to die. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. You and I could not be saved this very day if Jesus did not shed his own blood on the cross for our sins. And because of that sacrifice, we can have salvation. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But Peter didn't understand that. He didn't have a bad thing in mind. He just had his head down and he was going. And you and I need to make sure that we are in agreement with the Father. There needs to be maturity. There needs to be agreement. There is a trust that comes with the fact that God knows the big picture and we do not. But then I want to look at the next three verses And I want us to see that these things will come as the relationship between the father and the child progresses. Look starting in verse 9. Or which of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks him for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? A few weeks ago, I was walking through my neighborhood and saw one of my uh, neighbors there. Who's a, he's a helicopter pilot, so I'm always interested in talking to him. And he's a few years ahead of me, and his kids are a few years ahead of my kids. And as we were talking about our kids He mentioned this. He said, yeah, my son who's in his 30s came to me the other day and he said, Dad, I am shocked. I am so taken back by how right you were with how many things you told me. And I'm so sad that it's taken me this long to figure out how many things you were right about. I think there's a lesson for us in the area of prayer there. Some of you are neglecting to ask your perfect father. There are many who begin this work of prayer. They begin that discipline and they get discouraged. Or maybe they don't get the answer they want. Or maybe the devil is just able to get them distracted with other things and so they give up. If the earthly fathers who are evil, Jesus says here, are willing to give good, how much more our Father who is in heaven. And as we mature and as we put prayer into practice, what's going to happen is this. It's going to kind of be when we pray, it will be more and more like Father, like Son. 
The more you pray, the more time you spend with Him, the more you will know what to pray for. You won't be asking for the winning lottery ticket because that'll solve all your problems. Instead, you're going to see the character of Christ and you will pray those things in your life. You will see your shortcomings. You will see where God wants to use you. And already you're going to be in agreement because what you know of God is going to be part of your character. And when you pray, you will be in agreement. Not like a child going and saying, hey, can I have the keys to your car? Instead, you're going to say, I need patience. Instead, you're going to go to your heavenly father and say, would, would you expand my faith? My faith is so small. The world I live in doesn't require me to have a whole lot of faith. You will pray and you will say, God, would, would you help me to be generous? And all of these, these things that we learn of God and know about Him, we will want to be a part of our life and we will pray and the answer will come. And God will grow us in ways that we don't deserve and that we never could have imagined he who is led by God in his living will be led by God in his praying. The better we know him, the more we will say, thy will be done. And we can even say, my will be done, because my will is going to line up so closely with thy will. We'll examine our prayers and we'll say, my goodness, what I want looks very, very similar to what God wants. So what are we supposed to do with a message like this on prayer? Well, I just want you to keep in mind that we have a God who is waiting, a God who is standing and who is ready. He has all power. So as far as the east is from the west, so God's readiness to give to us what we ask it goes beyond what we could imagine, beyond what we could think. Let me close by talking just about one more example from the Bible, and that is the prayer of Jesus, not the model prayer, not the teaching of Jesus Christ trying to teach us how to have confidence in prayer that we focused on today. But instead, let me take you to a prayer that Jesus prayed. We have a record of it in Matthew 26. Jesus prayed the same prayer three times. If you've been discouraged in your prayer life because you feel like you've heard the answer no, I want you to examine that. In Matthew 26, Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane, He has the cross and the work of Calvary before Him. He has this work that was agreed upon before the foundations of the world that God the Son would pay the price for man's sin. This is ahead of him. He knew it was coming. He knew that it would please the Father to bruise the Son. And at that point, as he's approaching the cross, Jesus Christ stops and prays. Remember, he takes Peter, James, and John with him. He says, you guys stay here, watch and pray. And then Jesus goes off on his own. And do you remember the prayer that he, prayed, the pray, the prayer that he gave to his Father? If it's possible, will you remove this cup from me?
we believe about the Word of God, that Jesus Christ, from the Word of God, that Jesus Christ was 100% God always, and He was 100% man always. And this is impossible for our minds to understand this. Theologians call that the hypostatic union. But in this prayer, we find the human side coming through. If it's possible... I do not want to drink of this cup. I do not want to drink all of it. Not only the physical tortures, but taking the sins of the world upon myself. The separation from you, Father, if it's possible. How is it that someone who knew the mind of God so well could pray a prayer and he did not get the thing that he asked for? We understand that in that prayer he uses the words, if it is possible. But then he closes by saying, but not my will, but thine be done. Here's the point. It's going to be a struggle. As you jump into prayer, as you develop, as you mature, it's going to be a struggle. And sometimes we'll be confused, and sometimes we will not know what to ask. And sometimes it seems like the opposite would have happened. But yet as we get to know our Father better and as we walk this journey and see Him, that He knows what is best, our prayers will more line up with who He is and what His plan is for this world. You and I need to be strong prayer men and women. And we can have confidence that God will not only hear our prayer, but He will answer our prayer. And allow that wonderful gift of prayer to be something that will change us and change the world around us. Shall we pray? Gracious Father, when we look to you, we thank you that you always hear us. Never a time when you are off on a trip, never a time when you are sleeping. You're millions and millions of of children calling out to you and you can hear them all. And take them all in. We praise you for Jesus Christ working right now to intercede. We thank you for the wonderful privilege that it is to know that he not only worked for us here in this world, but wonderfully, he's working right now for us. We praise you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And I would ask God that you would give us confidence. The devil would have us go through this world, and if he cannot have our soul, he wants to keep us off our knees. He wants to keep us from praying. And God, would you allow us to have this confidence, the privilege of prayer that we have, that we would grow and never stop. And we thank you that the good things will come as you bless and as we ask for them. While we have our eyes closed, I want to ask the piano to play through, and I want to give you a chance to pray. Our topic's been on prayer. Our topic's been on confidence that we are praying what God would have us to pray. If God's working in your heart, pulling you a certain direction, I want to encourage you to talk to Him. Turn it over to Him. Ask Him to help you with whatever He's working in your heart on right now. It could be that you're here today and these words about Jesus Christ dying on the cross for the sins of mankind, this is the first time this has come to light for you. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Every one of us is a sinner. 
And the punishment for that sin is separation from God forever in a place called hell. But salvation is available, and it comes by praying that very first prayer. God, forgive me, a sinner. We understand that Jesus Christ died for our sins, and that because of that, he conquered death, and he conquered sin so that you and I could conquer death and have victory over sin. Take a moment to pray. You can ask God to save you right now if you never have. Thank you.